The culture of your home is the incubator of character. You are the only mother that your child has. You're the only father that your child has. You're the only person who can be you in their life. And you have a lot to offer. Isn't the goal of parenting not that we have these 42-year-olds who are still coming home on time and cleaning their rooms, but that they actually leave and we have hardwired them for the virtues that we want to see in them? The thing we all have in common is that we are interested in our kids' future. I know the Parent Network exists to help moms and dads in whatever way you can, when you can, and how you can help moms and dads help their children have the future that God's promised them. Hello, and welcome to the Parent Network Podcast, where we hope to equip and encourage parents to help their family walk with God. I'm Karen. And I'm Sass. And we are really grateful that you chose to listen to our podcast today. We are going to be following up with our pastor of Family Ministries, Chris Sasser, also known as Sass. Hi. As uh, we continue to talk about his sermon series that he just wrapped up this past week called Travel Light, in which he talked about what he calls emotional or relational bags that as adults, we just pack as we are growing up and growing, going through life. Um, he talked about Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, which says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And so um, Sass would say that sometimes a lot of what hinders us in our faith and in our relationships and in our life in general are some of these bags that we've been packing. Um, And so we hope that you've had the chance to hear his sermon. If not, we'd really encourage you to check that out on the PC3 website. And this past week, Sass, you were talking specifically about the performance bag and the identity bag. Would you want to do a real quick recap for our listening audience about what those are? Yeah. So, Karn, you know, one of the things that we have kind of talked about as parents over the last couple of years is just... You know, thinking, I think we want something different for our kids than just sort of being successful in the world. And, you know, one of the ways that that I've really been saying is what we want is for our kids to be healthy, um, emotionally healthy, spiritually, and healthy relationally. And I do think that a lot of times sort of the the bags that we pack as we grow up um, really, really hinder us from being able to do that, from able to be healthy in those three areas. And I do think one of the biggest ones, at least, you know, when I talk to, to uh, high school students, college students, young adults, one of the biggest ones is the performance bag. Mm-hmm. And just this this nonstop performance pressure that they feel, and they feel it at, at, in really in every area of life. I mean, they feel it really early when they're growing up uh, in school where, you know, they're pushed to try to get straight A's and, you know, we have the best grades. Um, they feel it in sports if they play sports to, you know, be the best player and kind of always be, you know, working the hardest and all those things, which, you know, all, all good stuff, but... There are consequences to all that. I think they feel it socially, uh, especially now that the the uh, the smartphone is kind of just a part of our 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 normal life uh, all the time. And there's social media, and there's just kind of this nonstop pressure to perform socially, to get the likes, to make sure you post the right picture, all that stuff. I think they feel it socially just when they're you know with their friends, and so j- there's just a kind of a a nonstop pressure to perform that I think. You know, in some ways, as parents, we want to push our kids to perform because we think that'll help them grow up and it'll be healthy. 
I think actually it's killing them on the inside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I really mm-hmm. do. And and there, I know there's a balance there. And, you know, one of the scriptures that I talked about was um, from 1 Corinthians 10.31 that talks about how, you know, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all for the glory of God, which does, of course, set, kind of indicate, hey, we ought to be doing our best. But I think we can sometimes sort of co-opt that into doing our best from a worldly kingdom standpoint instead of it says, do it all for the glory of God, like do it all for God. So what's the direction that we want to sort of, you know, uh, push our performance towards. And I think we can easily fall into, oh, you have to like, you got to be the best player for Jesus or <laughs> you got to do, you know, best in school for God, which it's attention. I get it. But this performance pressure, I think, is really killing kids. What's interesting, because I've even seen this uh, with um, kids as young as preschool. So I teach a uh, pre-K class at a local preschool here, church preschool here in Wilmington. And it was towards the beginning of the year. And at times I would talk to the students about just doing their best work. You know, sometimes they'd be like, oh, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. This is, you know, this is hard. And I would say, well, if you already knew how to do it, then we wouldn't be practicing it. You, you don't have to worry about that. But there were times that we'd do a portfolio that we'd be collecting their work throughout the year to hand to their parents at the end of the year. So I'd want them to, to work their hardest and do their best. And so I'd say, well, this is going to be for the portfolio, so just do your best work. And this one kid said to me one time, he's, he said, yeah, but if we don't get it perfect, it's not like we'll get fired. You know, and there was obviously some kind of weight on him that he thought that, I don't know, maybe it needed to be perfect. And if there, and if it wasn't, you know, was there going to be a consequence? And he's four years old. Yeah, I think it happens maybe even earlier than that. And I think one of the things that we ought to push uh, our kids to is they, like you were saying, do your best. Don't feel the pressure to be the best. And there's a big difference in that because there's only one the best Mm -hmm. in any particular scenario, Mm -hmm. right? And so what is it for everybody else who's not the best? Like how should they be able to kind of go through life? And so I do think uh, this performance pressure does get kind of packed at an early age and it just sort of keeps building on itself over the course of kind of middle school, high school, again, focus group after focus group after focus group that I did with with students, um, this is the bag that came out, kind of the heaviest. So as parents, what can we do to help um, our kids not pack this performance bag, at least super heavily? Well, you know, I mentioned one of them. is just encourage them to do their best and not necessarily have to be the best. Uh, and I think if you can be consistent about kind of saying that and using that language over time, hopefully that will help. And you have to also recognize that, you know, as, as parents, and we talked about this on the last podcast, and, and you're kind of uh, not understanding the concept here. As parents, we aren't the ones that pack all these bags right. in our kids. You know, the world around them, the culture that we as adults have created is what packs it in them. And so we just have to kind of be really careful with our language. But I, I, I would also say when it comes to kind of your kids, remind them that you love them and that your love for them is not rooted in their performance, mm. Right. Your love for them is not rooted in their performance. And I think sometimes, even though we would never say to our kids that we love them more if they perform better, I do wonder if they feel that somehow because probably the way that we treat them uh, is different when they perform better. You know, and, and you can think uh, in kind of in all kinds of areas of life. In, in school, you know, they may, we may be happier with them if they're getting good grades. They're or getting the praise, the compliments right. for the things that they're doing right and doing well. Exactly. And so uh, we just, I think, have to be careful to not let it sort of kind of transfer into, well, you love me more 
if I perform well, if I am, you know, good at the sport, if I, you know, put a lot of work in for the the extracurricular thing, if I, you know, learn how to play the instrument, if I, you know, am really, I don't miss any of my lines in the play, whatever it is, right? Um, we just have to be careful to make sure that they know that our love for them is not rooted in their performance. So how do we do that? Because obviously we are going to praise them when they do things well, and I think that we should. So how are we making sure that that isn't, becoming the lens through which they think that their love is coming, you know, from us to them. Well, I, I think in a simple way, and it's kind of back to language, is is don't just tell them that you love them when things are going well or when they are performing. I think just sort of letting them feel how much they love you, which gets harder the older they get mm-hmm, because, you know, mm-hmm. teenagers sometimes don't, you know, receive that in the same way that they do, of course, when they're small and they're cuddly and they'll come just sort of sit in your lap. But I think just... Helping them feel how much you love them in your language, in your tone, in the time that you're willing to give them. I mean, all those things, I think, play into them recognizing, oh, I don't get more attention from mom or dad when I'm performing. Mm -hmm. I just get attention from mom or dad because I'm their child, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I think that's kind of a practical way to do that. Um, And I, I recognize kind of it is tricky because, of course, you do want to praise them when they get things, you know, done or when they do things well. But you also have to be there for them when they fail. Mm-hmm, for sure. Right? Make sure that you're there for them when they fail. And they don't, again, it's so tricky that they don't feel like they are a disappointment. Mm-hmm. You can be disappointed in them for something they do, but that's different than them feeling like they are a disappointment. Being more disappointed in the behavior yeah. instead of who they are as a person. Correct. And so how do you distinguish that or help them to distinguish that? I mean, is it just like verbalizing it maybe? I think so. I think it's a lot of verbalizing it and it's a lot of uh, kind of body language and just sort of the way that you interact with them in your home. Because I do think it's easy when they're not performing or when you are disappointed in them to create that relational distance. And that's part of, I think, what I said in the week one of the sermon. Uh, just don't let the relational space stay because what will happen is relational space will always grow. And that's one of the things that I think, you know, with, with the bags that I've identified, I think they do overlap in a big way. And so if a child feels some relational distance because they're not performing well, they feel like they're kind of, you know, uh, there's some some disappointment that you have in them. Well, they may be packing a performance bag because they feel like you need them to perform. They're also packing a relational bag because there's relational distance that's beginning to sort of be there and grow. And so all these sort of stack on top of each other and there's lots of layers. So just making sure that even in the midst of when you're disciplining a child or when you are disappointed or frustrated, that you're reminding them I still love you. This doesn't change the way that I feel about you. It doesn't change your value to me. But it, there is something, obviously, that needs to be addressed. Yeah, and, and I would say it, it, it is more than just reminding them, because that's words. Mm. Because you can say it, and they don't feel it. Okay. And so it is kind of sometimes, I think, tone and body language and proximity. Uh, that that just is all the emotions that we all have that you just have to, as a parent, I mean, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to really kind of pay attention mm-hmm. to how your kid is feeling about the relationship. Like, they have to know that the relationship they have with you is rock solid, no matter whether they perform or not. And, and whatever that looks like for you and how you can make them feel that, that's what you got to do. Okay. Any other suggestions for not packing the performance bag? Yeah, I would say uh, lower the pressure at home. 
Just just reduce the pressure at home, which uh, you know can be hard because sometimes kids need the pressure to you know get their work done or whatever. But if they live in kind of a nonstop pressure cooker where your like your relationship with them is practical and them getting things done, they might sort of begin to feel like again your love for them is based on whether they get everything done or not. And so in some way, just figure out how to lower the pressure at home. You know, another way I guess to say it is to choose your battles. Uh, just you know, everything doesn't have to always be instruction. Uh, you can just have a relationship with your kids at home, which I know all of us sort of know that, but it's it's easy to fall into, hey, get this done. Hey, do that. Hey, great job there. Hey, didn't do that too well. And it's almost like just this practical, make sure all the trains run on time, make sure everything kind of gets you know, finished. Um, but I would just say reduce the pressure at home in a lot of different ways. I would say don't compare your kids. If you have multiple kids, don't compare them to each other. Plays into the comparison bag. That's a thing, but but it also um, it makes them feel like they have to ramp up their performance in order to gain your love and approval, which is packing some performance baggage. And then I would say the last thing, kind of that, that I'd encourage in this one is is praise kids for their godly qualities, not just for their performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, like one story that that I've, I think I've told before, and I just it sticks out to me because I had to discipline myself to do it. But I remember when our kids were playing basketball and, you know, instead of getting in the car and saying, hey, like, great job, you got 12 rebounds or I think you scored 17 points, whatever it was. Hey, when that kid fell down and you, like, picked him up, that was awesome. Or, hey, when one of your other teammates was doing great and you were cheering them on and encouraging them from the bench, that was awesome. Like, praise them for the things that are the godly qualities. When you see them you know, exhibiting kindness and self-control and all the things that are fruits of the Spirit, just encourage them for those qualities, not just for their performance. Because then they'll learn, hey, like this other stuff over here that feels a little bit squishier and more spiritual, hey, that that I'm getting rewarded for that. I want to do more of that. So that's another thing I would say. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, the other bag that you talked about um, in the sermon last week was identity bag. Do you want to remind our listeners about that one as well? Yeah, so identity baggage gets packed when um, when we really kind of don't really know who we are and we're trying to figure that out. I mean, there's an organization, I referenced this in this past week's sermon, there's an organization that we follow that does a lot of research on the next generation and they basically are kind of doing research in order to create resources for churches and parents. And, and there are kind of three questions that they say that is kind of the task of adolescence, sort of the the, the work of growing up, and it is, um, who am I, do I matter, and where, I, where do I belong? Who am I, do I matter, and where do I belong? All questions of identity. And I think there are kids who are going through life who are trying on different identities. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, am I, am I an athlete? Am I, you know, uh, a student? Am I, you know, do I like this music? Do I like that music? Do I, you know, follow this person? Do I follow that person? They're just kind of trying to figure out who they are, where they fit, who are their people, who's their tribe. And uh, as adults, we do that too, right? <laughs> we oftentimes just can't settle in who we are. And um, oftentimes, as we're trying to figure that out, we just don't have the, the kind of the solid foundation. And so we'll stand on something you know, that, that's not a solid foundation, and it'll fall through at some point. So there's a lot of identity baggage that I think, quite honestly, um, gets, gets packed by all the other bags, uh, it's kind of sort of the big one that right. that everything kind of feeds into in some ways. And so um, we just have to kind of be able to pay attention to, like, what's the identity that our kids are building? 
So what advice do you have for our parents in that vein? Well, I would say, you know, if we think about the identity that we want our kids to build, and if you're a follower of Jesus, the, the identity you want your kid to build is that they are a child of God. Like that is where their identity is rooted in who they are in Jesus and who they are as um, a follower of God themselves. And so, you know, you want to encourage them in that direction. And so um, it, it, it's really hard, though, because you, you do at times want them to have, you know, kind of a, an identity as an athlete or as you know, something else in the world, but always bring it back to, no, 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 your real identity is as a child of God. And so I would say, you know, first of all, as a parent, um, you have to feel that, mm, right? So true. Like, you know, you have to, to kind of have and model an identity in Christ. And so if you kind of just have your kids involved in church and you like the fact that church is teaching them, all that sort of stuff, but at home they know that that is not where your identity comes from. Like if your identity comes from your work or if your identity comes from, you know, anywhere else in life, maybe a relationship or maybe, um, you know, something, you know, hobby that you have or whatever, and your kids can kind of feel that that's who you are. Like when, when your kids are asked, like, who is your mom or dad? Oh, they're a banker. Or, oh, like, like he's a Tar Heel fan. Like, it's kind of curious. I wonder what they would say. And what I, what I hope our kids would say about us, first and foremost, and I don't know that they would. <laughs> I don't know that they would. <laughs> right? I don't know that they would. Maybe we should go home and do this. <laughs> but, but I would hope our kids would say, oh, oh, my mom and my dad, they're a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's where their identity is rooted. And so if we want our kids to go there, I think we have to model that ourselves, which, you know, is, is really hard to do in the midst of, of life. For sure. Well, what else would you have for parents? Um, I would say, you know, along with modeling it and kind of feeling it yourself, you have to affirm and teach that. And so don't, don't, don't just live in it yourself. Teach t- to your kids, hey, your identity is in Christ, which is obvious. Um, I would say something kind of very practical to help them build their identity is to, and we've already kind of alluded to it, is, is let your kids know that you love them and that you like them. Hmm. Because I think sometimes kids feel like, we as parents, we have to love them. Yeah, because we're their parents. It's kind of part of the job description, right? They got to love me because they are sort of stuck with me. And I even heard you do this to our daughter, I think a couple of days ago, we were out somewhere and I think you said something to the effect of, I just really like you. And, and I think that it's important, like that's that helps them build not only their identity, but it helps them build some self-confidence. It helps them know that you, you want to be around them. They're, it just, it, it kind of helps contribute to, I think, everything that's healthy about who they can be. And so let your kids know that you love them and you like them, even if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> or at least at that moment. Right, because there are moments that we don't really like our kids, you know, when they're doing or again, something. Or it's we don't like their behavior. Yeah, I right. mean, even as, I sure. think us as parents sometimes have trouble distinguishing between their behavior and who they are, but we maybe we need to remind ourselves that it's not them we don't like, it's their behavior. Correct, yeah. Um, I think also, uh, and, and this can be tricky kind of depending on your family situation, but help them build a strong family identity. I think kind of uh, oftentimes when kids have a, a strong identity with their family, it helps them kind of translate that to the family of God as well. And so whatever you can do to kind of help your kids bond together, kind of your family unit bond together, just sort of build an identity as a family. That's not a pride thing. It's just sort of a, a comfort thing. Um, I think that's really important to do. I think extend um, grace and forgiveness to them often, which we, if we're honest, we do all the time, and sometimes they don't even know that we're doing it or they don't even see it, um, but really extend grace and forgiveness. And then I would say, you know, teach them that they have been created 
for a purpose and help them find mm. that purpose, right? Just just let them know, hey, God has uniquely crafted you. you. You are his workmanship and you've been created to do good works in Christ Jesus. Remind them of that and then lean into helping them figure out what is that thing that they've been created to do or that, that the number of things that they've been created to do. And don't always push them into the thing that you want for them to be created to do mm-hmm. or the thing that, that you wish that they were created to do. Allow God to move in them and to be able to help them discover that identity and, and how he wants to use them in the, in the world. Right, because a child could be gifted at something but not necessarily passionate about it. And so you might see that gifting and push, 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 but if they're not passionate about it, then that may not be where God is calling them to go. So I think it's helping them find not only what they're gifted at, but also what they're passionate about and then how they can use that for furthering God's kingdom in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, and, and what a great you know kind of kind of picture of oftentimes kids will step into something and they will be gifted at it. And so we'll push, 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 push because we think hey, they should do that mm-hmm. because they're good at it. And why would they not want to do that? Well, that's some performance baggage right there, mm-hmm. along with some identity baggage. And so they get, and we have seen this over and over again, especially in sports. And I use a lot of sports examples because that's kind of been my life and it's a lot of people that I'm around. But you see all the time where a, a young uh, man or woman will be gifted in one particular sport and they'll be pushed, 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 pushed to perform in that sport. And they get to be, you know, mid high school, and they don't even want to play anymore, mm-hmm. right? And 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 so so like like you're saying, all the joy has been sucked out. Yeah, of and, and the passion kind of wasn't there. They just were pushed to perform, and then they don't really want to have anything to do with it anymore. And they're kind of done. They're burned out, uh, and it's just all this sort of, I think, both performance and identity baggage that kind of gets stuffed down in them, and then they don't know what to do with it. Yeah, and I want to go back to what you were saying because it, it just. Um, brought a thought to mind when you're talking about as part of helping them not to pack an identity bag or at least not pack it incorrectly about the importance of like the nuclear family. And I was just thinking too, like if they feel safe and loved in their nuclear family, then they're less likely to be looking for it somewhere else. And oftentimes when you're looking for it somewhere else, you try to become whoever it is that you think will love you instead of maybe being who you really are. But so many kids just trying to figure out where they fit in, at least if they're loved and feel safe at home, I think at least that's always their safe spot to come home to, to who they really are. And I also wanted to ask you another question. I feel like part of adolescence is though trying to figure out who you are. And so kids make it through phases where trying this on or trying that on. As parents, how should we handle that? Like if our if we see our kid maybe putting on an identity that we don't necessarily like, it might not necessarily be immoral, but we just don't like, do we just need to give them space to do that? Or how much do we need to guide them and direct them? And how much do we just need to kind of give them some space to kind of figure it out on their own? I would say it depends on the kid, okay. of course. But I, but I also think that, the, I mean, you just said it. If it's not immoral, if it's not sort of sinful and going against maybe, you know, what, what God wants for our life, why would we steer them in another direction? Um, now, you do have to pay attention to who are the other people mm-hmm. who are in that, you know, group. You know, one of the things that we say to teenagers all the time is your friends will uh, determine the quality and direction of your life. And so you want to pay attention to who are the other kids that, that are in that particular thing. But I would say, you know, like our daughter loves to surf. And I would never have pushed her there, but we've let her go there 
A, because we live at the beach, and it's right. just fun to be on the beach. Well, and you wouldn't push her there just because you don't surf, right. not That's because what I'm you have a problem with surfing. Yeah, no, well, but, but you know, but but if you know that culture sometimes you know could go and take a left turn, as every culture can. Yeah. I get it. Right. Right. Um, but but I would say yeah, if if they're trying on some sort of an identity that is not taking them in a direction away from a relationship with Jesus, maybe that's the right way to say okay. it. Okay. Why would you stop them? Mm-hmm. Other than you don't like it. And that that's more about you than it is about them and more about what God's doing in them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, that's some really great uh, tips and information. Is there anything else that you would like to say today just to um, encourage parents as they are trying to help their kids um, travel lightly? Yeah, I would say uh, as a parent, if, if you haven't had a chance to watch both of those sermons, go back and watch them because what I did try to do is to try to take kind of this content that was built for parents and I tried to apply it to everybody. And so um, what I hear over and over again when I have the opportunity to be in front of parents, encouraging them to pay attention to these bags that their kids have is I hear parents say, oh my gosh, I have those bags too. And I never sort of have thought about it. I've kind of stuffed them down. So what we tried to do in you know, these couple of weeks was just to help everybody, no matter where you are. So if you get a chance to sort of maybe watch or listen to those two, I would say that. And then the second thing is, is just reach out. And you know, if you want to talk about it, uh, we'd love to talk about it. Um, there, I have a feeling we're going to be talking about this for the next year or so in some way, shape or form. Um, and I love kind of trying to help encourage parents in that direction. So parents at portcitychurch.org. Uh, just email there or chris.sasser at portcitychurch.org, and I'd love to kind of sit down and talk to you about it. And if um, you feel like what we are saying and what you are hearing is encouraging you, then we um, invite you to follow us on social media at PC3Parents on Twitter and Instagram and PC3Parents on Facebook. Um, and again, just reach out on the uh, email if you have any specific questions or just um, want somebody to talk to. And we just, again, thankful that you joined us today and we look forward to um, sharing with you guys um, in our next episode shortly. 